Bibles, if you would, to Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6. <clears throat> we, we started a new series a couple weeks ago. Um, the name of the series that we're, we're doing is called The Pathway of Faith. And um, uh, we have a picture for you. Uh, this is the, the, the picture to go along with our theme, uh, The Pathway of Faith. And, and so we've been talking about and what we're going to be talking about is different paths that God gives us in Scripture to help us uh, grow our faith. Um, and uh, so I, I'm, I'm excited about the series. And tonight we're going to continue with the, uh, the trail to Mount Ararat. The trail to Mount Ararat. We're going to finish tonight, hopefully. At least that's the plan. Uh, so uh, Genesis chapter 6, let's start reading in verse 8. <clears throat> it says, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. So let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you uh, for this day. Thank you for your love. And Lord, we ask that you would uh, uh, speak to our hearts, that you would help us to uh, see the faith of Noah and uh, help us to understand that we can have the exact same faith that he had. Uh, we are so very thankful and grateful, for it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, the first, the first part of this uh, 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 message on the, the trail to Mount Ararat, we saw uh, the reason for the trail. Why, did, why was there even a trail to begin with? And it was because the, the corrupt hearts and lives of the people of the day uh, and we're, you know, we talked about that, so we're not gonna, we're, you know, we're not gonna go back and see that. Um, but last week we talked about Noah's walk. Uh, Noah walked with God. Um, uh, again, I think that the wording that God gives us uh, <clears throat> in verse nine here in Genesis chapter six uh, is the exact same wording that God used to describe who. His, great, his grandfather, Enoch, okay? Enoch walked with God. And, and God describes Noah the exact same way. So the, my assumption, and I think most people believe that Noah got his passion to walk with God from his grandfather, Enoch. Uh, and and what, what happened to Enoch? Yeah, God just... God just he didn't die. He said, "He said, hey, just come up here, you know." Let's, and so anyway, so, <clears throat> but, uh, why did God choose Noah to build the ark? Was it because he was a master boat builder? <clears throat> no, <laughs> because he was faithful. Exactly because of his heart. Um, <clears throat> and then the quote I shared last week. Uh, God does not call the qualified, He qualifies the called. And um, that is an incredible, true quote. I don't know who originally came up with it, but um, that is a, a very much a truth. Um, <clears throat> this evening, we're going to look at another side of Noah. Uh, God used Noah, I believe, because of one 
very simple truth. And that is, Noah was willing to be used. I was talking with someone recent, well, yesterday, in fact, I was talking with somebody yesterday and made this made the made the uh, analogy that well, we have two teachers here. You guys were both re- are are retired teachers, correct? <clears throat> what is the most important part about teaching? Okay, how about being willing to learn? Okay, if if you have students that refuse to learn, the best teacher in the world is just flapping their lips, right? So it's it, the, the important thing here is that <clears throat> Noah was willing to be used. And what an example for us. So point point number three. So point number one was the reason. Point number two was his walk. And point number three, we're going to look at his labor. His labor. Um, In in looking at his labor, I'm I'm going to be focusing here on verse 22. So uh, Genesis chapter 6 and verse 22, it says, Thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. So he did all that God had commanded him. It's obvious when you study the life of Noah that he was obedient. God said, hey, I want you to build a a boat. And what did Noah say? Okay, I'll do it. Um, uh, You know, uh, if it had been me, I would have said, okay, um, uh, where are the specs? Um, You know, uh, give me more detail. You know, I need more detail before I can make a joke. Yeah, but Noah wasn't like that. Noah, Noah, God said, hey, this is what I want you to do. He said, okay, I'll do it. He was willing to be used. Noah is a wonderful picture of what every believer should be. Willing to be used. But tonight, as we talk about his labor, I want to talk about two aspects of his labor. The first one is his job. Okay, because he has a job. God God very clearly gives him a job to do. What what is that job? Build a boat. Okay? Now I have I, I did some I did some looking around today, and I've got a couple of what I think are interesting videos done by um, uh, Answers in Genesis. Uh, It's an organization uh, back east. They actually built an ark. It's called the Ark Encounter. Um, uh, I've never been there, um, but uh, I I know the organization uh, is is a trustworthy organization. Um, But anyway, I've got a couple videos I wanted to show you uh, to kind of outline what his job was. So Chris, if you would, please. How big was Noah's ark? The Bible tells us in Genesis 6.15 that God told Noah the length of the ark would be 300 cubits, its width 50 cubits, and its height 30 cubits. Of course, the question is, 
What's a cubit? A cubit is this measurement from your elbow to the tip of your longest finger. Now, if Noah was my height, I'm pretty tall, uh, that would be a 22-inch cubit, meaning the ark would be even bigger than this one. There are plenty of, of cubits from the ancient Near East, anywhere from about 16 and a half, 17 inches, up to about 19 and a half inches. And what we noticed is that many of the ancient, the major building projects, like temples and other things, were built on what's called a royal cubit or a long cubit, which is this measurement, and then you add the width of four fingers, so about 2.9 or three inches. So we took one of the shorter of the common cubits, 17 and a half inches, and then we added 2.9 inches, which gives you a 20.4 inch royal cubit. That would give us an arc of 510 feet in length, 85 feet wide, and 51 feet tall, for a total of 1.88 million cubic feet. Uh, that's when you subtract for the curvature of the hull. And uh, so it's quite massive, uh, making it, as far as we know, the largest wooden ship on record. If you think of a, a semi-trailer, uh, you would be able to fit 450 of those within that amount of space. And when you're thinking about how many animals can fit within each of those semi-trailers, uh, if you were to pack them in pretty well, you could actually fit 120,000 sheep. Of course, Noah didn't need that many animals. Uh, so yes, he could fit the number of animals on the ark that he needed to. We're standing near the midpoint of the ark between decks two and three. And this gives you a great view of how big the ark is, how long it is. From this point to the very end is about 250 feet. We're on a platform that's about 18 feet long, and if you were to turn around and look all the way back the other direction, it's another 242 feet, which gives you an arc of 510 feet in length. And you can see some of the massive timbers that were used here as well. This one, this Engelman spruce, that goes all the way up to the top and down to the bottom floor, so stretching over 50 feet in length, and some of these can be over three feet in diameter. And then we've also got our Douglas fir, uh, a lot of these columns and headers like this one. You're also walking on bamboo, which a lot of people don't realize that, but it's pretty cool. Uh, there's so much wood th used throughout this entire structure. In fact, if you were to put it all together, it's 3.1 million board feet, which is a 12 inch by 12 inch square by one inch thick. And if you were to lay all that out end to end, it would stretch from here to Philadelphia by highway or actually as the crow flies from here to New York City. And you know what? You got to come check it out for yourself. So depending on where you're watching this, you can click on the link below or check it out in the description. How long did it take Noah to build the ark? This is one of the most asked questions we get on our website, especially those related to the ark itself. And skeptics have been asking this question, not just this one, they ask all sorts of questions related to the Ark, or they're not necessarily asking the question to try to find the answer, they just think it's impossible. And so they're raising objections. They'll say things like, there's, there's no way one guy could build this all by himself. Um, I, I had one skeptic write to me and say, do you really think that some 900-year-old guy built this all by himself? And I said, no. The Bible says he was in his 500. Come on, just read the text. So, no, I don't think that a 900-year-old guy built it by himself. But the Bible doesn't say he built it by himself. Uh, but, I mean, if you think about the challenges that, that Noah would have had to overcome, uh, you have this enormous structure. You have to get all sorts of timber. Uh, it's assumed that he had, like, Stone Age tools. How could he possibly do that? And, uh, you know, could you even build a wooden ship that large that would stay afloat? So there's all sorts of objections that come uh, along with this. And... You know, the Bible doesn't give us a straightforward answer as to exactly how long it took Noah to build the ark, but it does give us some clues, and we're going to look at those. One place that people will turn to is Genesis 6-3. The Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. And some people think, oh, well, this must be like a countdown to the flood, and therefore Noah started building the ark, he got 120 years. 
Some people will say, no, it was it was 100 years because in Genesis 5.32, it says that Noah was 500 years old when he begot Shem, him, and Japheth. doesn't necessarily mean the boys were triplets, just that the oldest one was born when Noah was 500. Then the flood came when he's 600 years old, so you've got a 100-year window, right, for Noah to build the ark. But one of the problems with both of those ideas is that in Genesis 6.18, God tells Noah that he's going to make a covenant with him, and then he says Noah's going to go into the ark, it's going to be him, his sons, his wife, and his son's wives with him. So when God is speaking to Noah, it sounds like the boys are already there and the boys are already grown up and married. So it can't be the 120 years. It couldn't be the 100 years. It's got to be less than that. Uh, well, how much less? Well, you got to allow enough time for the boys to be born, to grow up and get married. How long is that going to take for the three of them? Maybe 25 to 50 years or so. Then you'd have to subtract that from the 100 year window that you've got. Uh, so if it was, let's say it was 25 to 50 years for all three of the boys to grow up and get married, you've got to subtract that from the 100 and you are left with about 50 to 75 years as a maximum amount of time for Noah to build the ark. And maybe it didn't even take that long. You know, there's some skeptics who will say, you know, how could he build the ark with all these Stone Age tools and all sorts of things? How do you know he had Stone Age tools? You know, all of the technology that he had was wiped out in the flood. We know prior to the flood, Genesis 4.22 tells us that Tubal Cain was an instructor with all kinds of bronze and iron. So they worked with metal. They may have had, you know, all sorts of tools that would be a lot better than most people imagine. So maybe it didn't take as long as some people think. And even the, the complexity or the difficulties of, of building something so large out of wood, can you imagine? working for 50 years on a structure and you start on one end and 50 years later you're way down finally finishing up on the other end. What do you have to do to this first end again? Because it's made out of wood, it's probably warped or started to rot a little bit. You have to go back and repair. So maybe it didn't take that long unless, you know, gopher wood has certain properties that would protect it or maybe the pitch that they used to cover it inside and out protected it. But uh, so normally what we would say is about a 50 to 75 year maximum time to build the ark. I remember the skeptics who say, how could one man build something so big? Well, where does the Bible say that Noah did it all by himself? Sometimes they'll look at Hebrews 11:7 that says, By faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear and prepared an ark for the saving of his household. But does that verse really mean that Noah was the only guy out there swinging a hammer? I mean, if, if you think so, then I've got a question. Did Solomon build the temple? Yes and no. He's in charge of the project, but we know he wasn't cutting the timbers. The Bible tells us that he wasn't sliding the, you know, everything into place. He wasn't doing the construction, but he's in charge of it. So you could say that Solomon built the temple. And in the same way, Noah is in charge of building the ark. Now, I happen to think he was out there working on it, but remember he had those sons and also their wives were there. So you have at least eight people that could have been working on it and eight highly motivated people knowing that a flood is coming could work pretty quickly and and build something so large but there's other people available as well maybe extended family members maybe other people who don't believe noah don't trust in noah's god yet they're still willing to work if there's a paycheck involved and you know what it only took us about two years to build our ark but you know we were using heavy machinery and large construction crews and you know dozens and dozens of carpenters were coming in we're not saying noah did it the exact same way but the fact of the matter is you can build something this large to house all of those animals in a relatively short period of time. It doesn't have to take over a hundred years. And if you're wondering how many animals are on the ark, well, check out our video right here about the number of animals on the ark. Anyway, so I 
I came across those videos. I thought I'd show them to you, hopefully answer some questions. Uh, if you're, if you're uh, anything like Chris back here, it probably generated more questions. Um, but anyway, um, they have a great resource. Uh, if you're ever in Kentucky and you want to go to it, I would highly recommend going. I've heard, I've never been, oh, okay. Uh, I've never been, but I've heard just great things about it. So anyway, he had a job to do. His, his job was to build the ark. That was his job. So the second aspect of his labor is his responsibilities. His responsibility. <clears throat> Just as everyone in this room has a job. Okay? Um, you think, well, I'm retired. Well, <clears throat> being retired is a job. Okay? You have, you have stuff to do. Uh, you know, after my dad retired, I, I asked him one day, I said, Dad, I, how in the world, <clears throat> you know, you're retired. Why are you so busy? And he said, he said, I can't believe I ever had time to work. <clears throat> you know, uh, so, yeah, you know, and we all have jobs. OK, uh, uh, you know, my job is a pastor. Uh, Brian is a is a sewer plant guy you know water water well you probably like to be known for the water side yeah okay yeah the the, yeah yeah (laughs) um but you know we got a nurse over here and you know you know uh, so we we all have jobs but we all have a responsibility to the lord even though we all work and and again even though you're retired you're still working you still, you know, you will work in this earth until you die. The only problem is when you retire, you just don't get paid for your work anymore. <laughs> you still work. But in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20, it says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Amen. So we call this what? The Great Commission. Jesus, Jesus very clearly, excuse me, Matthew chapter 28, gives us a commission, a responsibility to share the gospel. I have a news flash for you. Noah had the exact same responsibilities we did do. His responsibility was exactly the same as ours. And in verse 22, it says, Thus did Noah according to all that God commanded him. Not just the building of the ark, but everything. Noah was faithful in sharing what we would call the good news. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, it says, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things uh, not, yet, uh, not, not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to save his house, but the which he condemned the world 
and became heir of righteousness, which is by faith. So the word condemned here literally means to declare guilty. And as I thought about that, I thought of Romans chapter 3 in verse 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Noah declared or condemned the world because of the wickedness of the world. He was faithful in all things. Second Peter chapter five, or excuse me, chapter two and verse five, uh, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world and of the ungodly. I don't know about you, but as as we were watching that video a few minutes ago, one of the pictures that they showed um, in the building of the te- of the of the of the, of the ark uh, showed multiple workmen working on it, and that's that's how I personally that's how I envisioned it. And I think I could be like totally wrong. But I think one of the reasons I have that picture in my mind is because Noah's out there preaching to all the workmen. Hey, you know what? This boat that you're helping me build, it can save your life. And I just see Noah out there soul winning, uh, uh, talking to the workers as he's, as he's building this ark. If, if nothing else, if it was just the eight of them building the ark, uh, I'm sure there were skeptics coming by and teasing and saying, hey, no, what are you building? Oh, I'm building a big boat because it's going to rain. And the, the earth is going to flood and you're going to die. Where are you going to go when you die? I can just see Noah doing this because he's called the preacher of righteousness. How long did Noah preach righteousness? Until the door closed, but how many years before that? (laughs) Okay, that's how long it took to build, okay? But we don't know, okay? We don't know, but I personally believe, and this is just me, I believe he preached long before that. Because he was faithful in all things God commanded him to do. First Peter chapter three and verse twenty it says, uh, <clears throat> "Which sometimes were uh, disobedient, when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was prepared, wherein few." That is, eight souls were saved by water. This is an incredible picture of the patience and the love and the long-sufferingness of God. You know, we, we oftentimes forget that we serve a supernatural God. Could not have God just snapped his finger and, a, and an ark appear and Noah and his family jump in and, and go for the ride. Absolutely, God could have done that. But he didn't. He allowed Noah the opportunity to have time 
to share the gospel, hoping that people would get saved. The long-sufferingness of God. I have a question for you. What's holding back the rapture? Okay. The long-sufferingness of God. The patience of God. Every prophetic thing has taken place. The only thing we're just waiting because God wants to give everybody one more chance. Dr. Ironside taught that salvation was like Noah inviting an unbeliever to trust God's Word and board the ark. Some believe that salvation is like Noah putting a pig on the outside of the ark and saying, if you just hang on through the storm, you'll be saved. God holds on to the Christian, not the other way around. My father, <clears throat> which gave them me, is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. John chapter 10, verse 29. So, the labor. He was faithful in all of his labor, in his job and in his responsibilities. Point number four. Let's talk about the results. The results. I have a question for you. Is God holy? Yes, He is. What is the result of God's holiness? Okay. Yeah, the result of His holiness. Because, because God is holy, there has to be justice. There has to be justice. Judgment. There has to be. Because God is holy, the result of His holiness is judgment. God's holiness demands judgment. We see it in the day of Noah. The, what, what is the, the, we, we talked about it uh, for the last two weeks, that the, 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 the hearts of the people were only evil continually. And because God is holy, judgment needed to take place. There had to be judgment. So what was the judgment? The flood. Death. But, I love the buts in the Bible. But God, always, always, always provides a way to escape. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. There have no temptation taken you but such as common to man. 
But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able, but will, with the temptation, also make a way to escape, that you may be able to bear it. What was the escape in Noah's day? Get on the boat. That was the escape. Judgment is coming. You need to get on the boat. Yes. But what happened? The people of Noah's day chose not to get on. They mocked him. They laughed at him. Now, I don't know if you've picked up on it, In verse 9, chapter 6 and verse 9, it says, and these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generation. Noah walked with God. It never says anything about Noah's wife, his three sons, or his three daughters-in-laws. We don't know if they were Believing in God or just doing what dad told them to do? We don't know. Well, yeah, we know we know after the flood, but we don't know pre-flood. There was one righteous man in all of the earth, and that was Noah. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. The result, letter A, the preservation of people. The preservation of people. Look at chapter 6 and verse 14. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. Turn over to chapter 7 and verse 1. And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark, for thee have I, uh, have I seen righteous before me in, the, in this generation. Again, an, an idea, a glimpse into the fact that it was on the family was saved because of Noah's faith. An interesting thought. Let me say this, and hopefully you'll get the context of what I'm trying to say. When I got saved 42-ish years ago, I was the only person in my immediate family that knew the Lord. But when my mom and dad died, they were saved. My sister saved. And I praise God for that. We, we have, can have a huge impact in the lives of the people around us. And I believe that that's exactly what Noah had. 
a huge impact in, the, in, in his immediate family. God's grace was clearly displayed to all that lived in Noah's day. It was seen in the warning of Noah's preaching. It was seen in the fact that the uh, that the uh, the uh, t- the um, the ark took so long to uh, to build. Even if it took 50 years, that was 50 years that everybody had a chance to repent and turn to God. Unfortunately, it was only Noah and his family who chose to follow him. Only because of the obedience of one man. Once a man told D.L. Moody, a preacher of, of years past, that he was worried because he didn't feel saved. And Moody looked at him and said, was Noah safe in the ark? He says, well, certainly he was, the man replied. Well, what made him safe? His feelings or the ark? And the man looked at D.L. Moody and he says, how foolish, how foolish I've been. It's not my feelings, but Christ that saves me. The whole, the whole story of Noah and the ark is, is wrapped around the gift of God through, through Jesus Christ. Because it is... Okay, I read it earlier, I quoted it earlier, Romans chapter 3, verse 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We are all condemned. But God has given us a way out. And what is that way? Jesus Christ. Just as in Noah's day, God gave everybody a way out. And just like today, we have a way out. And that is by putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, it says this, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. Noah and his family were secure in the ark. And this is, this is one of the things I had never really contemplated a whole lot. But, well, hold on, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Uh, chapter 7 and verse 16. And they that went in, went in, uh, male and female, and all the flesh, and God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. This is an important statement. Who shut the door? God did. Noah did not shut the door. And, and, I, and I could be way wrong here, but I, I don't believe Noah would have shut the door. Why? 
exactly. But one of the things as I was studying for this, a, a thought came to me that Noah and his family had to have found a lot of peace knowing God shut the door. Right? I had never thought of it quite like that before. But I, I don't know about you, but I, I just I, I can just see you know Noah and his family and all the animals on board, and all of a sudden the door, boom, the door shuts, and all of a sudden it starts raining. What do you think is going to happen on the outside? Everybody's going to try and get in, because now all of a sudden, hey, what he was saying is true. And the pounding on the side of the ship, I, I don't know. I just, it, it just, my imagination is, you know, I can just see all of this. And I can see, I can see the family inside having a peace knowing that God was the one shut the door. And then all of a sudden it gets quiet and the, and the ship starts to float. Can you imagine the safety and security that they had to have felt knowing that they had been faithful to the calling of God in their lives, but that they were right smack dab in the middle of God's will and God had them in a safe place. The gospel is all through this story. The, 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 the illustrations are endless. But if you're saved this evening, you are safe in the arms of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now we still have to slug our way through this thing we call life, but my security is safe in what Christ did for me. I came across a quote. I'm not sure where I got it, but anyway, I'll read it to you. I liked it. Uh, in, 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 a, in a day when situations and institutions such as the economy and government give cause for great insecurity, we can trust in the security of God. I like that quote. Because no matter what is going on on the outside, Noah and his family were safe on the inside. A beautiful picture of what God can do in our lives. So he preserved people and he preserved the gospel. <clears throat> uh, in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 9 again, we're not going to read it. We've already read it like three times tonight. But Noah faithfully proclaimed the, 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 his, his faith. Again, Second Peter chapter two and verse five, and spread not the old world, or excuse me, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah and uh, uh, the uh, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood unto the world of the ungodly. <clears throat> not only did God preserve the uh, people, but he re he reserved Noah's faith. 
What an incredible, incredible thing. The Gospel. That Noah was a preacher of the Gospel. You know, I was asked recently by a young person, because we're talking about, obviously, the Old Testament. We're in Genesis chapter 6. So we're talking about the Old Testament. And and, and, uh, uh, anyway, about, I don't know, two, three weeks ago, a young person walked up to me after church and said, Pastor, i got a question for you. And I said, sure. I said, what is it? And she said to me, she said, I understand how people get saved today. She said, I understand that. She said, I'm saved. She said, but how did people get saved in the Old Testament? And I I looked at her and said, you know what? That is a a wonderful question. And I said said this. I said, you know how we get saved today by looking at the cross at what Jesus did for us. Okay, we'll just say this is the cross. Okay, This, this right here is the cross. And we're over here, and we're looking back at the cross, and we get saved because of what Christ did for us. I said, people in the Old Testament got saved the exact same way with the exception of they were looking to the cross for what Christ would do for them. The Messiah. They got saved the exact same way we do. Except for they were looking for the event and we were looking back to the event. Noah preached the gospel. Noah chose to believe God. He was obedient in everything that he said. Now, I want to... I want to kind of stop here for a second and think about this journey or the trail, if you would, that's what we call it, the trail to Mount Ararat. It started because of the wickedness of men's hearts. And we've seen the faith of of Noah as he journeyed down this trail. And now he gets on the he gets on the ark and he and his family and they and they float around and and finally God brings them to the resting place of Mount Ararat. And we can see his faith grow in this trail, if you would, to Mount Ararat. But it all started when God said, hey, I've got a job for you to do. And Noah said, okay, I'll do it. And oftentimes we come across trails in our lives. We come across opportunities that God gives us and we pick and choose the ones that we want to do. But what does God want from us? He wants our hearts. And he wants us to be obedient to his will, not our will. And the trail of faith that led to Mount Ararat was a trail of a man who was willing to do the impossible, to build a boat that was has never been seen since, the biggest wooden boat in, in the history of mankind. 
And it worked. No. It was 100% faith in God and worship. Absolutely. Absolutely. All it had to do was float. You know, Chris and I were talking before the service and you know, we and we were talking about different aspects of it, you know, and, you know, animals and how many animals and food and you know, because you got to feed them all and everything and all this stuff and <clears throat> I said, you know, but in the mix of it all, we still have to understand it was a supernatural event. And we have to give some credence to the fact that, you know what, God can do what He wants to do. And it was no accident that they ended up on Mount Ararat. To this day, you cannot go to Mount Ararat to look for the ark because it is in a Muslim country. And, and we are just dumb enough that if we could find it, what would we do to it? Well, we would worship it. Right? Wouldn't we? I mean, we, we worship everything else. Yeah, we, yeah. Selfies. <laughs> but God brought Noah's journey, faithful journey, to a safe and wonderful end on top of a mountain. And as I have wondered and thought about my own life, I've often wondered, what is, what is my journey going to look like when it's all done? Am I going to look back and see all the trails of faith that God had for me that I didn't take? Or am I going to see all the trails of faith that I did take? Turn over to chapter 8 in your Bible. Chapter 8, Genesis chapter 8, verse 1. And God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark. And God made the wind to pass over the earth and the waters assuaged. I learned something this week about the wind. You know, we had just a little over a week ago, we had 14 inches of snow on the ground in here in Fernley. 17, yes. Yeah, 17 inches of snow on the ground. And within, what, just about three or four days, it was gone. <laughs> but you know what I learned? It wasn't, it did not melt because of the temperature, although it did get a little warm, but it wasn't warm enough to melt that much snow that quickly. And it didn't really rain. We got a little sprinkle, but you know what dried out all that, all that snow? The wind. The wind is the greatest drying mechanism in, in nature. And what did God do? He brought a great wind to dry it all up. Yeah, big blow dryer. There you go.
During the days of wickedness on the earth, Noah found favor and kindness in the eyes of God. Because of his faithfulness. When God works in our hearts and lives, He will supply the grace that we need to accomplish the things He's called us to do. There, there will be times, if you, if you are willing to follow the Lord, I can guarantee, beyond a shadow of a doubt, I can guarantee there will be times you're going to look down that road of faith and you're going to say, it is impossible. But God will say, trust me. Do you ever think Noah thought, this is impossible? I, 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 would, I would have. But he plugged away and he did it anyway. He had to have thought it at least, at least once, if not many, many times. Now, I don't know if you've ever been involved in a building project, but I've been involved in a few what, what is one thing that you can always be guaranteed with a building project? There's going to be problems. <laughs> Even with God giving Noah the blueprints, so to speak, do you think there were problems along the way? Absolutely. It's like, like Chris, Chris was telling, we were talking before the service. He said Noah would have had to clear cut the forest in order to get that much lumber. You think there were some problems with doing that? How many how many environmentalists were screaming and hollering at him? <laughs> I don't know, but I'll I'll guarantee there were problems along the way. But he was faithful to the task. But he never ever forgot his responsibility to share the gospel through it all. And that to me is probably the most impressive part of it all because each of us can we can get so consumed with life can we not forget to share the gospel from time to time i can i get i get so tunnel visioned uh i i i i do it all the time Noah was a preacher of righteousness and he did everything God wanted him to do. He, he obeyed God in every aspect of his life. What an incredible trail to Mount Ararat. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love, for your work <clears throat> that you do in our lives. And Lord, what, a, what an incredible example of Noah you know, that, that we can have to help us to see this trail that he blazed of obedience and incredible faith that more than likely started with his grandfather, Enoch. What a blessing. Help us, dear God, to take what we've learned over the last couple of weeks and tonight and 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 embedded into our hearts and our lives. And Lord, help us to be faithful people. We are so blessed. Thankful for all that you do. 
For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.